0: Hey mom. Hey Andrea. Welcome to Tuesdays with Andrea podcast. Hey. hey, You guys my mom has been so helpful in creating the design, finding furniture, helping me with doing sound checks, video checks, uh, decorating the room. She's the number one supporter for this podcast and she has such a powerful story and it's something that a lot of people wouldn't want to talk about. And with everything going on with COVID-19, we also hear about domestic violence being increased and a lot of people struggling. And so I think there's a lot of parallels from your story that might be helpful and impactful, for sure inspiring to other people. And just to see God's provision for your life I think is incredible. Yeah, that along with the faith is
1: huge. and One of the scriptures that would motivate me is get off your shaky legs and walk straight because other people behind you are walking and that's what would motivate me to move on. It's one thing when you yourself go through things but when you have uh, children and or even if you don't have children for those of you that have nieces or nephews or little ones that you know there's always someone watching you Mm -hmm. and you want to Up those bootstraps, and you want to be the best that you can be. My mom and dad had nine of us, and we grew up on the east side of Aurora. Uh, And Tamcats, (laughs) woohoo! Shout out, Tamcats! Easter World High School! Out the door in 84. Hey! Um, (laughs) I was the second to the baby. And my other sisters and brothers were older, so it came down to three of us at home,
0: in the end. Mm-hmm. And we, yeah, we were pretty close. The three sisters—you, Alma, sisters. and Thoma. Yeah. What about growing up with Grandma and Grandpa both working full time or having factory jobs? I mean, having both <laughs> parents work outside the home. Yeah,
1: it's crazy. Kind of raised ourselves, and I think you can relate to that too. Like we'd pack ourselves lunches, and we would like go walking to the park and. My dad would work nights and my mom worked during the day. Did you like childhood? I think I kind of got lost in there somewhere. Because we had such a big family too. I mean, we would always have people over too. We always had our, our relatives come over and my parents would always open up the door to people that needed help too. So felt invisible growing up. When did you realize that? No, not for a long time later. Were you happy? Yeah, 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 for the most part. I mean, I had my friends, and so what makes you say invisible now? Looking more closely at my sisters, Alma was older, and coming from a Latino family, you think, oh, she's going to get married soon, and she's going to leave us. And then Thelma was the baby, so I got lost in there. So I found myself always trying to achieve elsewhere, like through school, through academics, or through sports in mm-hmm. school. So I was mm-hmm. trying to find my own spot. Where do I really fit in mm-hmm. here?
0: Did school become the place where you achieved, where you excelled, where you yeah. gained attention? I think I really excelled at school for a while there until I met your dad. And then it got a little more difficult
1: there. And then what happened? I was senior class president. I met your dad. It was my 16th birthday party. Very uh, charismatic kind of person. He was just really a super s- sweet, very emotional, Someone who would talk through his feelings and just... Um, oh, you deserve this, you deserve so much more, you know, putting all that attention and affection. And when you get that much attention and affection, it's like, wow, it becomes your world.
0: All of a sudden, the grades aren't as much as they used to be. Right, because now you're starting to show a lack of effort or maybe a lack of achievement because you haven't been putting the same attention towards school. And I think a little bit
1: more was, and we're going to touch on that whole issue, when you have someone where he's so sweet and wonderful and nice and you're getting all this attention and you're loving it. It's like, wow, it's just great. I mean, he, he just showered me with so much and then all of a sudden you see little red flags and you kind of dismiss them. Mm-hmm. Like what? Um, like if you'd get really upset or angry and you would just like justify it. Oh, well, he must have just been having a bad day. But you realize, wait a minute here, looking back, when things are that extreme,
0: when it's either really good or really bad. Mm -hmm. And what did Dalma and Alma say about it? Like, did they see the pattern? Was grandpa or grandma worried at that time? Was anybody concerned? But you get that whole, but I love him, but I love him. And then I got pregnant. Mm -hmm. How old were you? I was... 17. So 17 with twins. Yeah. How was that? Crazy. Well, and it was really even
1: more emotional because then you have this person that you just love so much. And I had so much going for me initially, senior class president, and I wanted to go to school. I wanted to go to college. And then all of a sudden you have somebody who's telling you that they, they really wanted to have a child because they really needed... Oh, did you
0: get pregnant on purpose?
1: Yeah. (laughs) You got pregnant on purpose? Yeah. Why? You know, it's just manipulation at that time. And it wasn't truth later. I found out it wasn't truth, but it was a real drama thing. It really was a drama thing. But the Like what? And I felt so bad thinking, oh, my gosh, I can do this. I can give him this. I could save you. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can do this together, and you can have someone, and we'll have this great life.
0: Did you guys already have jobs? I mean, I always had a job. But, like, if you're going to get pregnant, like, no, s- sustain, I mean, like, like, you guys didn't think that far out.
1: Well, I mean, I was cutting hair at 16, but you were in high school. I finished barber school before I finished uh, high school, because I did it through a DECA program, like a cooperative education program. So I really had that and I took that because I asked my mom what she always wanted to do when she grew up and she wanted to cut hair. I thought I can do that. I can do something she's always wanted to do and I can always take this with me, a skill. When I'm in college I can make extra money on the side. Mm-hmm. So I went to Barber College mm-hmm. and I got that, that skill. Little did I know that that would be my whole future career.
0: Barbering. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it, it helped. Yeah, sure did. Basically. Sure that, did. Thank God you got that. Yeah, exactly. Because imagine if you would have graduated... With nothing. With nothing. Right. And then where would you be? Right. right. Like, at least you had a trade. Right. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: So here, we did try to get pregnant. We finally did. And
0: were you guys happy at that point? Were you guys yeah. like, hey! Oh, yeah.
1: Pretty excited. And then scared. What did
0: Grandma and Wella, Wella and Wello say? Did, they, did you tell them right away that you were pregnant?
1: Yeah, I think we did and they were just like, "Oh, okay." Grandma and Grandpa were like, "You don't have to marry him just because you're pregnant. No that you don't have to marry him." That's where you know that they saw the red flags. Mhm. It's like, "No, but he, I love him, but no, really, you do not have to. We will help you. We'll be here for you." Did you live at home at that time? Yes. And then once I decided to really stay with your dad even though he started so he actually started abusing me even when I was pregnant. Really? Mm -hmm.
0: Like hitting? Yeah.
1: Yes, but not to the extreme. Now, that's one thing that's really understanding is that it does progress. It doesn't start out like like he may push me, but that's abuse. Like he would push you? He would put his hands on you? Like just push me. And you don't think anything of that. I mean, I was raised around a bunch of boys, so I didn't think much about the pushing. But were your feelings hurt? Of course they were. Of course. And it's like, oh my gosh, you know, it's like... That frog in the the pan. Yeah. Yeah. It starts off like just a little bit of. And you just kind of brush it off. And you brush it off. And then you get pregnant. And then he's actually physically abusive when I'm pregnant. Like how? Like Like hitting you? Yeah, like like hitting me, even in the stomach. Kicking me, hitting me.
0: Yeah, that was bad. And. Did anybody else know?
1: I honestly don't remember. Would it only
0: happen at home
1: or where? Yeah, Oh, oh for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, no, he would never be abusive in public. Mm-hmm. So then
0: he went to jail, and then I moved in with your well-on-willow. So you guys were still together? Yes. He's in jail now, you're pregnant still, you move in with your in-laws, mm-hmm. and then what? And
1: I visit him, and I'm there, and... When they're in jail, it's like a whole different person. Of course, they promise you the world, and you're not getting that abuse anymore. You're getting the best part of them again. The sweet person is there again. The poems and the mm-hmm. letters and all those things and the encouragement. And mm-hmm. and then right before you guys were born, we petitioned for him to get out. When we found out we are going to have twins, and they might come early, by the grace of God, for some reason, they allowed him to come out early, and he was there for
0: you guys when we were born. So I, I do remember the abuse, and I do remember those episodes. And during that time, that's it's a, it's a different person. Right. It is a different right. person. So there's that but Dr. Jekyll Mr. Hyde. But he's then, yep. super sweet. He took such good care of you girls. Totally. Like he, right. Mm-hmm. I mean, we would go to the park, we would have ice cream, we would roll down the hills, and we would go walk and look at the water. I mean, still, when we see him, Cushing. it's two different people. Mm-hmm. But the person that is the one that's assaulting, that's a different yeah. person. Yeah, and So to separate that. So how did you get over that? What did you do? So we're now born, you're 17 turning 18, mm-hmm. and you're living with your in-laws and you graduated already, you're working as a barber, mm-hmm. and then what? And the abuse would still happen, and I'm working, and I would
1: take you girls. Fortunately, being a barber, I was able to take you with me to some of my jobs and put you in a playpen and cut hair. I was Grateful for that.
0: Yeah. And I just remember all of your colleagues and coworkers. They're so nice. I remember Hanover Park, Lee's Barbershop. I remember Baldera's Barbershop, Downtown Aurora. Even through all of
1: that, you know, I did lose a lot of friends. There are friends that you lose. When you're in an abusive relationship like that, what they'll try to do is they'll try to isolate you. It's like, that's not a good friend. That's not a good friend. All of a sudden, none of your friends are good friends. You know, you'll find something wrong with each of your friends for one reason or another to justify not being able to spend time with your friends. Mhm. And that's part of the isolation and you don't realize it but you want to keep the peace. My friend list started shortening and then I start focusing on just the three of us. You two, myself, and you know, he was in and out of jail, but because the good times were so good that sometimes the bad times You just work through it because I'm a scrapper. I'm a fighter. Mm -hmm. And I would think, I can do it. I can, I can. I can make do. I can handle this. Mm -hmm. But it got to the point where when you're small and I see you too, and I'm looking at you and really realizing I'm teaching you that this is normal. If I stay here, you're going to think that this is the way men should normally treat women. Mm Mm-hmm and dads should treat moms, and I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. I didn't want that for you guys, so I thought, I can be stronger for me, but I need to be even stronger for you. Mm -hmm. So as much as I loved him, and I do believe that you do love the person and you give everything, and that's the other aspect, is you think you've invested so much in this person, you don't want to walk away, but sometimes you've got to count those losses, like really what am I really going to lose here? How long did it take you? You girls were six years old. And honestly, I cannot even take credit for that. I have to say the state of Illinois is what was huge on that because it would escalate. The abuse escalated to the point where he became a stalker. And it, and I would leave and he'd stalk me and I'd leave and he would stalk me and move to another place and moved in the he'd break in there and break in there. And so finally the, the state of Illinois was like, either you get out of Illinois or we're going to put you in prison for a long time. Mm-hmm. So he had to leave. And I think that's what saved my life or, or you know, or his. Because mm-hmm. at that point in my mind, I really thought either he was going to die or I was going to die, mm-hmm. one or the other. And what made you get to that point? The abuse escalates. It doesn't get better. It just gets uglier. And if you're with an abuser and they see that you'll take that much, then they're always going to push it. Mm -hmm. You'll take more and you'll take more. And so when you find yourself looking in the mirror, and at one point I had one eye was closed shut and the other one I could barely see out of it barely and to know
0: that it's like wow and that didn't even make me leave that didn't make me leave I remember watching you try to figure out how to hide your bruises on your face with makeup Mm -hmm. one time in the apartment we were separated from him he shows up and he just starts going at you. Mm-hmm. My sister goes under the table. You're under the table. And he goes under the table. In my mind, I'm like, Andrea, what are you going to do here? Are you Are going to cry? Because I was crying. And the phone is on the wall. Mm-hmm. So I get up. And everybody's huddled, though. So it's like getting up is like scary. I just dart towards that wall. And he goes, and he yell, Andrea, don't you dare touch that phone. And I looked at him, and I was just like help please you know and yeah. I, and uh I just remember thinking at that moment man this is that bad this is that bad this is bad and that was I think even before I don't know was that before or after the shelter we well, stayed at the shelter
1: when you guys were two years old so it's probably afterwards okay so this is way after yeah, yeah. that's a
0: long time. Yeah. Yeah. So
1: you were two years old when we actually stayed in that shelter for battered women. So
0: and how did you end up there? Like how? So you're at Well and Willow's house, mm-hmm. and then now, and then did you move out, and then have, to, or did you go back home with Grandma and Grandpa? No, I didn't, because I I think at
1: that time, because I chose your dad, they were angry, and Grandma and Grandpa were. Yeah, Grandpa. Okay. Right, and. It's like, you know, I don't I, I, don't know how people don't understand. It's not like if you want to be in that situation mm-hmm. and you don't like, oh, I don't like to get beat up. No, that's ridiculous. No. Yeah. But it's like you still feel like you have to try to make that old saying, you made your bed, now lie in it. Mm. And so you feel like you have to make this work. And so... When, the, when your family feel like you have to make this work kind of thing, now that
0: you made, initially they said, you know, you don't have to marry him, but once you married them, that's it. Because yeah, then you weren't leaving. It was it was still happening mm-hmm. and you weren't leaving. And what else could they do except shut you kind of out at mm-hmm. that point? You're truly lost in the mess and mm-hmm. you can't really see. Mm-hmm. And so what made you go to the shelter? I don't remember how I got there. I just remember us living there. Mm-hmm.
1: And how long did we live there until we got kicked
0: out? (laughs) I'd say maybe three, four weeks. All I remember was they had technology. Like they had the TV, and they had some sort of console or something out at that time that we did not, I did not see before. And I just remember thinking, like, this place is great. (laughs) (laughs) I can't remember (laughs) I <laughs> had something there that I'm like, this is great, yeah, don't remember. isn't it funny how we have different memories yeah, of it yeah. like and I think I was
1: still like pretty much an optimist still, even uh-huh. no matter what was going on at that time. It's like you're always looking for the best because I have to, you know, because you're looking at me still, your sister's looking at me still, and even with that, I mean, I think you girls were pretty optimistic too, which is so awesome because. No matter. I mean, it's, we can laugh at this now because we're so out of it. It's like telling someone else's story. And that's the beauty of the healing process is when you allow yourself to heal from this and you, you, you get out of it, when you overcome it and heal, you can look back and it's someone else's story almost. It's like it's as different as a caterpillar and a butterfly. Mm-hmm. You know that was part of your life, but you can't even relate to it anymore because mm-hmm. you have such a different life now. And it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So it's like, hmm, yeah, we did go through that. Yeah, we did experience that. I mean, yeah, wow. Yeah, I didn't realize, wow. I didn't realize we were homeless. Wow, I didn't realize that, and several times. But the, the beauty of it was even though we were kicked out from these different places, because he would break in, he'd stalk at me and break in, and we'd have to find a new place to live. You didn't see it that way,
0: and your sister Mm-mm. never saw it that way. Because you made the best of it. I mean, you yeah. made it fun. You made our life. The beauty of of growing up with you as a mom in that way was when we were all together, It was there was nothing wrong in the world. So like, it was, we were all together. It was a new adventure. Everything was a new—maybe that's why I love adventures as an adult is because I just remember— We always had a new adventure. You're Mm -hmm. right. Everything was an adventure. Or when I
1: would look and say, okay, you guys want to come with me to go look at this new place, this new apartment? No, Mom. You don't have to go. You always pick such a beautiful place for us to live. Yeah. And it's true. And so that's something that, you know, it's like, wow. Looking at that, it's like, wow. And the grace of God. So when you guys were two years old is when I actually, like, I was raised as a Catholic. Mm -hmm. And then... When we lived at the shelter, I met some friends that shared Jesus with me. Mm -hmm. Not religion, just really shared Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I remember sitting at the shelter, and I'm on the phone, and they're talking about this Jesus that loves me no matter what. And that was something that was so profound to me. Because I always looked at God and Jesus as that one up in heaven, looking at everything you do wrong, and ready to point their finger at you and condemn you for everything you've done wrong. And good things happen to good to people, bad things happen to bad people. Mm-hmm. And that's what I thought, and I couldn't understand. When I was going through the abuse, I remember huddling in the, in the closet, hiding by myself in the closet, and crying out saying, why is this happening to me? I'm a good
0: person. Because you used to love that closet. I used to love the tub (laughs) too. You used to always find some closet.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So here I would go and hide in the closet and say, why is this happening? Good things happen to good people. Bad things happen to bad people. And I don't understand why this is happening to me because I'm a good person. And you just get up and you go on the next day. And you just keep moving forward. And that's what you do. Uh, That's what I did. I just, mm-hmm. I kept moving forward, okay, today's a new day. Today's a new day. So when I heard about this Jesus and really loved me, just loved me, I couldn't quite understand it quite yet. Mm-hmm. So it was funny going to Calvary, that big church, and they would have these altar calls. If you want to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, come forward. I had to go, I think, like every single altar call for like six months. I went forward to make sure, to make sure, to make sure, to make sure that he really loved me and accepted me. You heard me, right? Right? You got this? (laughs) For real? Are you for real? Yeah. Are you serious? Are you serious? (laughs) Okay, right? I'm getting in, right? My name's on the list, right? (laughs) So I had to go forward to make sure, to make sure. Because, see, when you have someone that says they love you and they disappoint you, And the hurt uh, or betray, it's just so hard to really, really, really believe it. Mm. So I had to make sure, to make sure, to make sure, to make sure. And then uh, your dad wound up in jail again. And that's the other thing that's so beautiful is that even in hard times, if we look around for the the helpers, there's Mm. always helpers. There's always, you know... For the bad that happens in our life, if we learn to focus on the
0: good and look at the good people, that will encourage you. Because mm-hmm. there are bad people in this world, well, and there are good people in right. this world. I mean, when like it, Kathy and Greg.
1: Right, but if, look at even through the hardships that we've endured, even what we were just saying a minute ago where, you know, you, saw the, the, you remember the, the hard and ugly things with your dad, but you also remember the good, and we focus on the good. And that's what we choose to do, and that's what helps move forward. Yeah. And I think no matter what happened, because eventually we know that your dad and I got divorced, and through that it's like I I left because I wanted more for you too. Mm -hmm. I wanted more. I didn't want you to think that men really treated women like this. Mm -hmm.
0: And so... I left and and during that time, you were a barber Mm -hmm. and you were a single mom. So you didn't have any um, income from my dad to help out Mm -mm. with payments. And you also weren't taking money from grandma and grandpa. You were completely on your own, which is why we moved around so much Mm -hmm. is because, you know, rents rent. Basically, it's kind of like, okay, we're here for a year and then we're going to go somewhere Mm -hmm. else. So that has to be tough especially when you're still young, you're still early 20s with two girls. Mm -hmm. Like, what were you thinking? Were you in a good place at that point? Were you worried? Were you confident? Like, God's got this. Even through the hard times, I was learning to
1: rely on faith. I didn't have that support at that time that I needed from, I mean, people cared and loved for me, but sometimes it's just you have to find that on your own that strength and you have to find your own faith and you have to find your own strength and so i would just open up the bible and i even if i didn't understand it i mean boy king david the way he would lament oh man i could relate to those psalms so good i felt like everything was coming at me and i could feel that passion that he felt or i could feel the betrayal that he felt and the hurts and the lamenting that he felt. And I would read Psalms. I would literally read those out loud that encouraged me, too. It's like, when you have no one else to encourage you, self be encouraged. Mm. Self be encouraged. So I had to tell myself, be encouraged. And and I learned to get through the Scriptures, and that would encourage me. And if we didn't have a place in between apartments when we had to move, you know, we had a, um, some other dear friends Kathy and Greg you mentioned earlier who allowed us to stay in their home and we lived there for a while and they were just a blessing to us too Mm -hmm. so God I believe he will send in those helpers who will
0: encourage you and that will help lead you and you know who helped me I remember when we were there at Kathy and Greg's and we would sleep on their sofa bed Mm -hmm. you me and my sister all together right and we're in their living room, right? Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It's like they don't have space either, and we're basically right there in the middle. And so at nighttime, though, he would put on the TV, yeah, and it was the Three, Three Stooges. Stooges, yeah, and it was you know the <laughs> old black and white. And I just I didn't even like them. I didn't even like them. I don't think that that they humor funny. is funny to me, but I loved it. I just loved it because we would watch it together. We were together. Oh together, yes, right, right. and we were just like it was just. uh a distraction of fun and you don't have to think about anything else other than you're watching Mo and Larry Larry and and Curly. Curly. (laughs) And one morning we woke up and we're in their living room and all of a sudden Kathy and Greg come and they hid Easter eggs all over the inside of the house. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? And they had baskets for us. I will never forget that Easter. Kathy and Greg, if you guys are listening right now, I hope you guys have a fantastic, blessed life. (laughs) Yeah. Because that was uh, one of those times when people show up. Mm -hmm. They show up and show out. Mm -hmm. It's so good. I mean, I look back and
1: it's like, how do we do all the things that we did? I don't even know. I don't even know. I think with you girls, too, I kind of had that joy also because it was an adventure. We kept it together as an adventure, the three of us against the world. We had our places, you know, one of you did this function, I did this function, we did this. And we had worked through that, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. like fishing. When you guys brought the uh, snake and put it in a jar and brought it to work at the barbershop downtown
0: Naperville and
1: put it in my back
0: bar. Oh my gosh. We were home in the summers because mm-hmm. you're working. Mm-hmm. And me and my sister, at that point, we're like independent. <laughs> we're third grade, <laughs> fourth grade, and we do our chores. We know when to answer the door, when not to. We know what chores we have to get done. And I think we were really good on that front. You guys
1: are watching the neighbors when we were over there, remember? that time no when you called because there was a strange car in front of the apartment and weren't listening to you you were so mad they're not listening to us we're gonna call the police I threatened to call the police on. no no on the strange car oh you told to get in the house because there was a strange car outside this is in Naperville yeah You'd never seen that car before. And you were so upset because they would not listen. And you said you were going to call the police and that you told them to get in and they would not listen to you. And you were so mad. And uh, I was like, you guys are going to get abducted. You don't realize. (laughs) So you said, "Okay." so we called the police and we were here. And they just wouldn't listen to us. It's Like, "Okay, honey, well, you stay inside and you just do what you got (laughs) to do. And you did. And you
0: took care of your business. Okay, so that we were in already third, fourth, fifth grade in Naperville. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, we were still in Aurora. So dad left around like six, seven. Mm-hmm. And then that's when we moved to Naperville because And you had Naperville clients and they're like, hey, these are better school districts. And you're like, I'm going to get my girls in a good school district. So mm-hmm. that's when and then you got married to Andy. I got married to Andy. Andy was such a, a, a sweet
1: person, but he had his addiction. Mm hmm. And that was really tough. I mean, he was great initially when we first got married. Because he wasn't addicted when you guys got married. He was an addict prior to that. He was sober. So he was like that for so long. And then I think it was when we went on vacation and we were gone, I think with Thelma to Disney. And we came back and he had a friends over. And then he got back on the drugs. And once he got on again, he couldn't get off. He couldn't break it.
0: And he was a good man. I remember you guys had love. And his son, Lando, is, is still a Our brother to us. Yeah. yeah. He's still my son now. And for that time, I just remember feeling like we're a family. Mm-hmm. We're a legit family. We have a legit yeah. family. Yeah. So were you happy in your marriage with Andy? Oh, was yeah. this a good time?
1: Yeah, it was a really good time when I'd come home. He'd do the whole biscocho time. He'd make the cakes. Oh, he used to love to make a cake for me. he called it biscotto time. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember how you guys would laugh because he would look so jacked up during the day. Uh-huh. And as soon as, like, he knew I was coming home, he'd hurry up oh, and Oh, he'd, he'd
0: love when you came home. Yeah. Yes. He would yeah. Get,
1: he'd get up and he'd do his hair and mm-hmm. make sure he looked really nice and stuff when I got mm-hmm. home. So, yeah, it was, yeah, he was just really, really great
0: mm-hmm. until...
1: Until the addiction
0: And so when you realized wow he's addicted again. Mm-hmm. Like this isn't the man I married. We've been together for Wow. You know, yeah, years. Know. How was that? Yeah,
1: that that was really tough because yeah, he's not that person and you need to borrow money from the neighbors and then you'd get embarrassed mm-hmm. because the neighbors come and ask him for money. Hey, he borrowed money and you're like, Oh my gosh. And you would feel bad or he would clean out my account. Really? Yeah. He'd take, when I would come home and I'd see his car gone, I knew he'd be binging and all our money would be gone.
0: So was this going on for a while? All, yeah. I remember this was eighth grade. I think it was eighth grade. Mm-hmm. And he's driving us to school. The next day, he's gone. Like, l- legit gone. And you... And that day you're like, yep, he's gone. He's basically gone and he won't be here anymore. And I'm like, okay. And that was it. Like that was it. Mm -hmm. I just remember
1: him calling me and saying I'm in Florida. I'm like, what? He says, yeah. And he says, I love you enough to leave because you deserve better. And, yeah, it was so hard. He says, I know that if I stayed in Illinois, you would try to make it work. And I love you too much to put you through that. And so he says, that's why I'm leaving and I'm filing for divorce because you deserve more and I'm, I, can't, I can't break this, I can't shake it, and you deserve so much more. Wow. And that was, that's real love. That's a sacrificial love. Yeah. Yeah. That one almost... Makes you cry, yeah. yeah. And out of and out of all that time, like so every year, I'd get a phone call from him. Hey mama, how are you? I just want to hear your voice. Are you happy? Are you happy? It's like every year. Yeah. He'd give me a call. I'd get a call from him until one
0: year. And that's when you realize the power of drugs. Mm-hmm. Like truly, truly, truly they will separate you from everything Mm -hmm. you love Mm -hmm. even if you don't want to it will it will divide if if it becomes the master Mm -hmm. that's i think that's truly the only reason why my sister and i didn't do like drugs or hard anything throughout all of our adolescence or youth was because of andy Mm -hmm. so maybe that was actually Mm-hmm. Well, maybe one of the, the silver linings there because we saw firsthand the devastation. Now with my dad, it's different because you also saw Deep, the yeah. violent side and you realize that there's a little bit more here. It's a little bit more complex, but with Andy, you see so much of the good. There was a gentleness there. Andy helped me have compassion for my dad
1: mm-hmm.
0: because up until that point, I didn't understand the hold of drugs mm-hmm. and how it completely transformed someone. Mm-hmm. And when I saw Andy go through the same thing, that's when I realized this is dangerous. Mm-hmm. Like this, is, and it's sad because you see the hurt, mm-hmm. and I know how much he loved you. Like we know how much mm-hmm. he loved you, mm-hmm. and that in the end isn't enough. If you don't have mastery over the drug, mm-hmm. it will become the master. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I learned that from. Mm-hmm. And it's sad that it overcame him, and we know that he's passed at a young age. Did he die from drugs? Yes. I thought it was cancer. No. He died of an overdose? Yeah,
1: Well, he was off for a while, and then he went back to it again. So he got clean again. He finally got clean, and I heard from him like maybe six months prior to that a year, maybe. Maybe, and when you stop doing drugs and all of a sudden you do them again, you have a heart attack. I know that now from Jason, and so yeah, he died from a heart attack. Mm-hmm. He was doing drugs and he he
0: overdosed and he died basically that's what happened. Mm-hmm. So how did you feel at that time? Yeah, it's devastated devastated. and how do you find the strength to take care of your girls, and continue to go to work, and get up in the morning, and move on. Well, I mean, he was already, you know, we had been separate for many years by then. No, not after he passed, but when he left. Oh, yeah, that was so hard, and I don't even know. Um, How do you find that strength to get up, move on, Mm -hmm. go to work, take care of your girls? Mm -hmm. Your husband just left, he's filing for Mm -hmm. divorce. And he loves you, and you love him, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and you want to make it work, but the door is closed now.
1: Mm -hmm. And you move on, and that's all you can do is just move on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I have you girls, I have my job. and Do you look at it as a blessing now? Of course. I mean, I look at it as a blessing. Of course it is, because then... I mean, it, it was horrible driving home, and you see it gone, and you know he's doing drugs, and, and you don't know. I mean, it would have been more devastating if he was here and I saw him die myself. Yeah. Or that would have been even more horrible, horrible. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, oh, um, yeah, I think it's a, it's a blessing, and I know, I, I guess that part really showed me sacrificial love. I didn't understand what that was, and he really showed me that. You know, he was, in a sense, he was sacrificing because I knew how much he loved me and how much he loved our family. But saying I I would rather be by myself than... To hurt you. Right. Put you through this. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. he did, and you could hear the sadness when he would call. But knowing this is the best. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Afterwards, You know, after you've mm-hmm. had the time to heal. And that's the whole point where it's like learning to heal from all of that. You know, you have relationship after relationship, and then I got married a third time. But I, I didn't get married for a long time after that.
0: I dated right. different people. But you didn't get married. But I didn't get married. For a long time. Right. So we were in, what, were we in college already? Yeah. 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 I already had John John, yeah, right? Al- yeah, Alex was already getting ready to leave college. We were adults, yeah. Yeah. So you know, in there, you, you you date
1: different people, you see different people, but I didn't marry again. And I think, but, but the thing was, you were st- I was still dating, you know, I hadn't completely healed. I hadn't completely healed. You know, I was going through, but I hadn't completely healed. So I started going to a different church. I started, and one thing that I can say that I always did and what helped me get through a lot of, you know, you, how, how did I get through a lot of it was giving back. I'm a giver. And I gave back what I could give. I didn't have a lot of money back then because I didn't, I was a single mom, but I gave time. So I volunteered back at the very places that gave to me. So I, I gave time at the um, food pantries. Mm-hmm. And I would volunteer there every Thursday. And I volunteered at the uh, shelter for battered women. I remember Mm -hmm. actually going back and doing makeovers and saying, look, I can make you beautiful on the outside, but God can make you beautiful on the inside. Because you do feel ugly. You can be as beautiful as you can be, but they make you feel ugly because it's such an ugly life that it's hard to believe that you are beautiful anymore hmm It's hard. So it's like working through that. You got to feel beautiful about you. You have to. Because you're, when you're devalued, you no longer have value. And so when you're feeling beautiful is, is a way of saying, oh, I have value. hmm So I was trying to find that. And back then, I didn't get it. I just like, hey, I got my Mary Kay. i'm mm-hmm. <laughs> Let me make you look cute. hmm And that's what... That's all I knew. But now as I'm growing, I'm learning, and I've healed, this is some of the things that I could give back to, like, if I would go back and speak to that younger person, me, of me, I'd say, hey, you're feeling devalued. That's really what's going on. But I didn't understand that back then. Where do you think that came from? That whole, well, we talked about it earlier, with the whole, with
0: Thelma and Alma. Oh, Um, not being seen. Yeah. And feeling invisible. Yeah. So here comes this guy who makes you feel noticed. It's almost like
1: you're primed for it. I was primed for it because I was, it's like when you try to feel I'm empty, you're empty. Oh, let's make two empties better. And it doesn't work that way. It never works that way. So um, learning that as you're working through it and you're working through it. And that's when I dated in between that and I was dating different people. And it's like, no. It just wasn't. Because, see, you f- I had the worst. And then I had someone that really loved me. And he's gone. So it's kind of hard, you know, finding someone in there, too, that it's like, okay, wait a minute here. that, that That's like, okay, this is the right bit. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't quite found that. I was still trying to figure out me, much less the right person. <laughs> and I wanted you guys, even though I would have to go... D- home to an empty house. Yeah, which was so hard. I mean, that y'all just didn't know and I would go visit you all the time at school and go quit visiting us. Remember, and you'd bring us tacos food. Same, I got yeah. food. And after a while, you're like, I don't care if you have food, just quit it. <laughs> and your friends like, but no, but your mom, she has food. Come on, let your mom but come. I'm like, mom. And you're like, Mom, stop it already. But that's because I would go home to an empty house, and I never had that before. Yeah, I mean, even as a kid, I was sleeping in a bed with my sister. So Mm -hmm. we always had somebody there, and all of a sudden, there's no one there. And that was really hard, too. So I remember I was in the best shape of my life ever. Because you would go to the gym. I'd go to the gym. Uh, I'd go shopping at a store, window shopping, because I couldn't buy anything. And I'd walk around to the store closed at 9 o'clock. And then I'd go from 9 o'clock, I'd go to the gym, because they were open till late and work out till 1030, until I was just exhausted. And I'd go home, and I was too tired to think about anything else. Mm-hmm. And I lived like that for quite a while, too. Mm-hmm. So I was like, man, I was buff. The best shape of my life.
0: Mm-hmm. But I, I, And I feel like you were in a good place because you were taking care of yourself. Mm-hmm. You found ways to take mm-hmm. care of yourself and to build strength. And I wasn't sad or lonely nope. or anything. During that that year. Tio Javier came to town Mm -hmm. and you pick him up and then it was like a Wednesday afternoon and you're like, hey, Andrea, you want to come? And so I hang out with you guys. And that evening, I'm in the car, I'm in the backseat. You guys are driving around. I don't know where you guys are going, but you guys are just having the best time. You and Theo Javier, Mm -hmm. and your humor and your personality, it just is shiny. You know, you're just, Mm -hmm. you two, you know. Yeah, we're we're fun together, right? Oh, it was just. We still are. You still are. And you're like this with everyone. I think right now this is a different conversation because this is more personal. You don't talk about this often, so you're hearing um, a much. Subdued. (laughs) Subdued form of my mom. uh, And I just remember you were happy and I was happy that you were happy. When you were taking care of yourself, I felt like you were really getting back mm-hmm. to who you are aside and not attached to anyone else. It was a good space. Mm-hmm. Because I wasn't really committed to
1: anybody, so I'm in a good place. I think once you get into that committed relationship, where, then it'll come out again. You have to work through that, that I'm, I'm, I'm good, I'm worthy, I'm valuable.
0: I'm valuable. Do you feel like you lost it when you would get into a relationship? Would you lose that? Would you count on the husband to provide the value for you? And then maybe you lost it yourself. Is that what it was?
1: There's, you know, certain things where it's like, hmm, where you're willing to compromise in certain areas. Like give me an example. Thinking about when I dated Warren, he was really, really wonderful to me. But you guys didn't like him. No, so that, that should he be a was red young. F- so that should be a red flag there, oh, I guess. Like but he was he was really good to me. I liked him as a person. Don't get me wrong, he's a great person. But for me, he would have done anything for me. He yeah. just re- would have. But the whole thing of being a family person at that time, it just wasn't him at that time either. Yeah. But he really, really, really cared for me. I didn't want to walk away from because he was a, a kind, good person to me. Mm-hmm. So I didn't want to walk away from that, even though I legit knew... This isn't going to work. And it was super, super hard to walk away. I really wanted things with him. I really thought, well, because, mind you, I'm, I'm a determined person, too. Yes. That's why Andy said, I'm going to have to move out of the state. So I think if I really set my mind to it, and the thing that stopped me from that was my faith, I would always go back to the Word. I'd always go back to the Bible. And I always had that personal time with me and God. Just me and God. Like, okay, Lord, you have to talk to me because I need you. And I would look in the Bible and there'd be scripture verses that would like promises that would stand out and
0: that would help me through. But then how would their saying, my son deserves better than you, resonate internally with you? So part of me was like,
1: I can make it work. But then that God part of me was like, no, he's not the one for you. And I remember actually having a dream where I'm fighting with God for this relationship, where I have these little boxing gloves on and I'm facing God and I'm like, I'm going to fight you for this. And God literally just picked me up and said, honey, not this way, this way. I'm not your enemy. I'm for you. I mean, he literally had to pick me up and turn me around and say, you don't, you don't have to fight me because I'm always for you. Because you wanted to keep that relationship. I wanted to keep that relationship. And he said, no, this is not yours. This is not yours. Like, you have to trust me on this is not yours. And it finally got to that point. Otherwise, if it wasn't for that, I think I would have made it work. Mm-hmm. I, really, I really do. If it wasn't for that
0: God part of me saying no. No, he's not yours. That's a progression. Because in your other two relationships, like my dad had to get kicked out of Illinois, and he left voluntarily. Right. Because he knew. Mm-hmm. And in this one, this was where like, you know what, Delia, this ain't for you. And that's true. And he's and like, it, no, it, he's it's, not. It's basically I mean, those baby steps of understanding what's yours.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now I'll never forget that. It's like there's, for me, in that part, I learned my value because God was trying to give me that understanding. Like I had gone to Kosovo remember you wanted to go to Kosovo. And it
0: turned out that I won instead. And at that time, this was for church. There was this one missions group going to Kosovo. And I did want to go. And you went. And you You had a great time, right? It was the hardest trip I've
1: ever taken in my life because this is right after the war. So you see mass graves everywhere. There's, um, you know, it's just, People would put pictures of people's that like missing people on their houses, in case you saw that person, you would know that that was their child or loved one or whatever. So I mean, that was a I'd never experienced anything like Kosovo before, so it was a challenge there. Is this your first time international? No, I had already gone to Ecuador a couple times. It was the hardest for me because I felt powerless. You know, here I am, when you're an overcomer and you're overcoming all these other obstacles, and mind you, I want to jump back for a minute, because as you had mentioned earlier, Kosovo was not the first short-term mission I'd taken. We'd gone to Ecuador, and in Ecuador we had gone and there was a garbage dump there. And remember, we went to the garbage dump, and I'll never, ever forget meeting a woman in there, and um, this woman, and mind you, in the garbage dump, people eat, sleep, live in, in the garbage dump. That's their whole life. And sometimes when their children are born, they wouldn't name them for two years because they were afraid that they would die and they didn't want to get attached. But that's their whole life. And they would actually scrounge the garbage and they would give it to the dump king, and that's how they would make money, mm-hmm. and that's how they lived. When we went there, I'll never forget there was a woman who had looked at me and said, I'm sure you think I'm a horrible mother because I have my children here in the dump with me. It's, but I want you to know that I have only a few things I can either teach my kid to steal or I can teach my kids how to beg or I can teach them how to work. And here I can teach my children how to work. And it just blew me away to find some dignity in a dump. Because you want to teach again, what are you teaching your children? She wanted them to learn how to live, how, how to work for a living mm-hmm. instead of begging or stealing. And that was like profound to me. Yeah. That was the time when you guys had left all your clothes there for everyone. Oh, my goodness. Because you're like, oh, mom, you know, we gave all our clothes away because we can always get more. I was like, oh my gosh, Lord, you're going to have to help me on this one again. But you really did. You're like, oh my gosh, like, no, no." you know, we can always get more clothes, but they don't have any. Yeah. And you guys left all your clothes there. Mm -hmm. And I, I, you know, to this day, I don't even remember how God supplied when we got back, but he did. Yeah. Were you mad? Obviously. No, because how could you be mad? Yeah. I mean, seriously, how could you even be mad? It's just like, that's when you just go into full-blown prayer mode. (laughs) (laughs) Like, glory (laughs) You're going to have to help a sister out. (laughs) (laughs) Now we can jump forward to Kosovo. And that's where I felt powerless. And we went there just to take care of them and share what we could. But I'll never forget when my friend Kathy and I had they had found out there was going to be a doctor in the building and they had not had a doctor in so long and so her and I had both carried this older woman I mean really carried her you know she took one arm and leg and I took the other arm and leg and we literally carried her up like four or five of stairs to get to see the doctor and we got up there and he's like well uh, she has emphysema she's going to die just like that nothing I can do for her yeah she's going to go just Tell her to go home, she's going to die. And it just broke me. It just, I don't know why it did, but it just broke me. We took her back, and I went downstairs, and I went into our van, and I just cried my eyeballs out and said, Lord, why am I here? Why am I here? I have no i have no money. I have no position of power. I'm just a barber. Why did you bring me out here? Why? So what am I supposed to do? And I was just in tears, and he said, just
0: love them. Just love them. And that's what I did. So when you came back, how did it change the way you saw things? Well,
1: let's go. Let me, I'm going to stay there for another second, though. Let me stay okay. back to where when you're surrounded by all this ugly, I'm going to call it ugly, because there was so much divisiveness, because it was the Serbs and the Albanians fighting, and there was such, and there's, there was this
0: one... So it's not the people who are ugly. No. The people are not ugly. No, the it's the are, war. It was and it's war. the destruction around it. The destruction, the devastation,
1: the devastation, the mass graves, you know, the sadness, the poverty. Mm-hmm. And the ugly part was you have such poverty when we had, there was a, a mine that we went to. They said, anybody want to go on a, like a field trip? And I'm like, my arm was up really quick because if you just want to get away from the heaviness there was such a heaviness there that I almost felt like you could almost feel the heaviness and I just wanted I needed to breathe so it's like I'm, I'm ready to go so we went to a mine and it was a treasure mine and this mine had a lot of gold cobalt crystal and just all kinds of different things of great value and wealth and here you see people that are dying from starvation, from the war, from all this ugly, and you have this mine that has so much, but they couldn't mine it because they were too busy fighting. It's insane. So here we go down, and I put all my little equipment on, and we're going down, it's almost like seven football fields straight down. It had been closed up for like almost, almost 10 years. And so one mining engineer who took us down, gave us a little tour of it and I had my gear on and we were on seven foot Buffy and I remember just walking and he says now be careful because it's so dark and we haven't mined it and it's pretty dangerous and sometimes there can be a place where it'll collapse and you can fall and we'll never find you again and I remember I'm thinking I'm right behind the mining engineer like right behind him and I'm thinking I'm so confident I have zero fear Because he knows the way. And I'm right behind him. I thought, you know what, God? I want to walk this confidently with you in the dark places. And I'm walking. And as I'm walking, all of a sudden I see, you know, people picking up these little rocks. And they're putting them in their pocket because they have, you know, you never know what kind of value are in there. And I was going to do that too. I'm ready to grab some. And and I hear that still small voices drop it. I'm like, I can hear that still small voice say, that's stealing. And I'm just like, "But everybody else is doing it. Hello. <laughs> Why are you picking on me? Yeah. Hello. And the Lord said, no. He says, that's stealing. I'm just like, but I'm never going to be in Trepsha again. I'll never come back. You know, that's how we do that. And he says, Daya. So I kept walking and we get to the very end and I see this big wall. And in this wall, I see this hole there and it looks really cool and beautiful because you can see that obviously there's a lot of valuable stuff in there because they've been mining it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. And I asked them, how do you know, like, I know there's fool's gold and I know there's real gold. How do you know what's really good and what's not? And he explained the whole process. You know, we draw it out of the mountain. We put in these big carts and we take it down to where the fire is. And then the fire will test up what's of value will come to the top. And, and I'm like, huh. I said, wow, God, that's what you do. You draw people out of the mountain. And you help them. You put them under through the, the trials. pressure. Yeah. And their real value comes up. It's a pressure test, yeah. I'm like, wow. And he says, to me, yes, that's what I do. He goes, and I fully equipped you, because I had all my equipment. He goes, see, I fully equipped you to remind others that they are not part of the mountain. See, we think we're part of the dirt muck and mire, but he draws us out to away from that dirt muck and mire to remind us what value we really have and that goes through the times of the hardship and the pressure and the trials. Mm-hmm. And then you really see the value that you really have. Mm-hmm. And that was profound to learn in Trepsha. That was powerful. So after that, I'm like, wow, that's so cool. And then the mining engineer, he looks down on the ground and he picks up this rock. And he goes, wow, this is a really beautiful piece.
0: Because hmm. he, he knows the value. Yes. And he hands it
1: to me. And I'm, look, I'm like, and I hear that small voice say, yes, because he's given it to you. And then that was in the relationship that I was in with Warren that I did not want to give up. Mm. I did not want to give up. And the Lord said, see, Dahlia, he knows what's valuable. And I know what's valuable for you. In that moment, you realized. That he was talking about my relationship
0: too. Yeah. He says, and mm-hmm. that this wasn't for you, drop it. Mm-hmm. Drop and it. And then somebody else says, "Wow, this is like really good stuff." And he just puts it in your hand. And he gave it to me. Said, "If you'll let me, if you trust me." That's what the guy said.
1: No. Oh. That's still small voice. Oh. It's like wow. No, he just gave it to me. He's like, "Here you go." I'm like, "Cool." Like, wow. Wow. Thank you. Wow. Yeah. Thank you.
0: So after that, were you like, okay, I know what I got to do here. I know exactly. Yeah. Did you have clarity? Yeah, of course. And then yeah. that was the vision. That was basically, yeah, was this like, isn't mine. This isn't mine. There's something else. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to wait till something else comes to my hand. Maybe? I had to
1: trust. And then he would take me back to the word and he would give me other, like, it was so cool. He would give me, I'll never forget one of the scriptures he would give me was, Um, Look, I'm bringing back your children from the north, south, and the east, and the west. I
0: remember you telling us that. What was that all about? I know. It's so crazy, Like, Mom, you have two kids, and we are right here. Exactly. (laughs) And I'm like, that's so weird. And I would say...
1: (laughs) (laughs) And I remember thinking, what are you talking about? Lord, I have no sons. You know, like, oh, my gosh, what are you talking about? You know, and he said, I'm bringing from north, south, East, north. like, okay, whatever. Okay. And then he would give me another one, which was others have died so you can live. Though you walk through this, you know, it's like, Dalia, like, this is how serious it is. You know, this is how serious I need you to listen to me.
0: Explain that Bible verse, because that's from the Bible. Yeah. And explain that, because that sounds really harsh. Right? Others have died. So you may live. I mean, I didn't even I couldn't even grasp it myself. What does that mean? Like, I didn't
1: see I didn't understand that either. He gave that to me. I'm like, okay. And those are some of the things sometimes God gives you things and you have no clue. So sometimes he'll put things in you and you have no understanding at all until the right time. And the right time was when I married Jason. And then I got a really good understanding of what that really meant Mm. because I had no clue.
0: Okay, so let's get to that point. So now you're in Kosovo, you have this great revelation and some insight from God, really true perspective Mm -hmm. and clarity and vision, Mm -hmm. and then you marry... Like, how does that happen? I was. I was in a good place. Yeah. And then I
1: started doing volunteer like work. Like, we
0: thought was the one. Cause remember? like We are right. like,
1: okay. All right. And, and I thought so, too. River Bible Church had a prison ministry for young girls. Mm-hmm. And I remember going there every Tuesday night. It's an actual prison for young girls, 11 through 18 in Warrenville. Yes. And I've never experienced anything like that before. I'm still working through things myself, trying to take care of my kids and trying to learn about God. Like I learned you had to be prayed up because you went in there and I felt like I was beat up with these girls because it was crazy. It was tough. There's a lot of things in there that it's just different. It's hard. But you love them and you just love them. The chaplain there, you feel for those girls that are there. And I understand because a lot of them I really get it. I get it's like I get you. I get you. But I still had two girls of my own and telling him that, sitting down in his office and saying, Look, I really love working here, but I have to admit it, I mean, what kind of fool is gonna go out and try to save other people's kids and lose their own in the process? You know, I I, I just can't do that. You know, so it's like think that would be like crazy of me. I'm coming here every Tuesday and then, you know, my girl's at that age now and I'm out here and trying to save someone else's kids and then my girls are going to be you know, caught up in stuff because I'm not home. And I remember telling him that and he said, well, you know what, let's just pray about it. And so when we prayed about it, I remember he was sharing with me, we are praying and he says, you know what, Daya? He says, I kind of, he says, I feel like the Lord is saying to you, you take care of my kids and I'll take care of yours. And when he said that, it's like something clicked in me. Like, this is truth. This sounds like you, God. So I believed it. I believed it. And I'm like, Okay that knowing. So when I talked earlier about well, when that still small voice, it's like a still small voice and it sounds like your own voice, but there's like a knowing that comes to it. It's like a deep knowing inside your own spirit. It's like a knowing where there's no reason or rhyme or anything to it. It's just like, you just know everybody's given a measure of truth. You know, we're all given like faith and we're all given truth. And when you tap into that and you get that feeling, it's like, oh, Like this, this is resonating in me. Like, yeah, I I feel this, 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 yeah, there's something to this here. But I tell you, every Tuesday, driving back, I'm like, oh, Lord, Jesus, watch all my girls. And I'm like hearing all these stories from these girls, all the trouble they got in because their parents weren't around. Yeah. Yeah, but that's all I had to hold on to was believing when he said that I had to believe that was his word. And he's faithful to his work, and he's faithful to his word. And so, when you got pregnant, oh my gosh! Let me tell you. Tell me, (laughs) I I made you a grandma. How old?
0: How old were you? Thirty-six. Can you? I'm (gasps) thirty-five.
1: Can you imagine? I was like, oh hecky, no! (laughs) I was so mad. I'll never forget. I was in tears. I was crying my eyeballs
0: out. Not the day of. The day of you were great. Well, you done
1: threw in a whole big
0: old thing in my plan. I was like, what? Okay, so Tommy I was so
1: mad. I was so mad at God. I mean, I was so mad. And that's the beautiful thing is God can handle your anger. I just remember sitting in the car crying my eyeballs out and calling Sandy, my friend Sandy, she called me asking to me to encourage her about something. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know nothing anymore. I don't know anything anymore. Because God let me down. He let me down. Because, see, I've been doing everything I'm supposed to do. I've been taking care of his girls, and he did not take care of mine. I was so mad. I'm like, he did not take care of mine. Because, look, look, she's pregnant.
0: You slacked on the job, God. I'm so (laughs) mad at you right now. I can't even trust you anymore. Why were you more mad at God than me? I don't know like why I don't know why is this God's fault Because God's
1: greater than (laughs) you are because God's greater than you are and you know what and you know what too I think I think first of all it's like I would never ever want to put any hurt or pain on you Grace yeah that's the first thing and you don't and I didn't didn't want you to feel ashamed I didn't want you to feel ashamed
0: in that moment you were so graceful like so like okay it's okay we're gonna get through this you'll be fine I was shocked because I was prepared for battle <laughs> I was like oh I'm pregnant are we gonna duke it out because she's gonna be so mad i <laughs> are like oh my gosh mm-hmm. I was so scared and you were so graceful so loving so I and I felt like oh she's been through this before with her you know she knows what it's like right. so I'm like oh Okay, the compassion is strong with her. <laughs> <laughs> with you. But then I said, oh, well, you
1: know how the, the wife goes to the husband? Yeah. Well, that's what I did. I said, what? Yeah. I said, what? <laughs> Where were you? And then what happened? I go back to the promises that he gives me, and that's when I look in the Bible, and he reminds me of all the promises that he gave me and everything that he brought me through. And you think about everything he brought me through that far like David, when he slew Goliath, how did he know he could take on Goliath? Because God was with him when he took down the bear. Mm-hmm. And God was with him when he took down the lion. So Goliath wasn't nothing. So it's like, God, you've proven yourself. I was just mad for a minute. I was just mad because I was disappointed. And I thought, and forgive me. Forgive me. Because, see, I know you love me. And we can take out our anger on those that we know that love us. Yeah. And I knew that. It's like, okay, okay, you make all things good. Because he reminds me, I got you. It's like, do you believe me or not? Yeah. Like, it's like serious. It's like, you either believe me or you don't. Yes. Because only I can give life. Mm-hmm. And if I gave life, that means I'm going to do something really good here. Yeah.
0: And then it, you're in. You're the, like, okay, oh my, okay, I'm ready. Okay. Um, let's do this. And where would you be now without oh your John, oh Where would you oh my be my now? My baby my baby
1: <laughs> so cute. all of them so cute <laughs> where
0: would Jason be okay so I got pregnant guys we know this happens um, it turns out well though I finished school and she ends up meeting this guy that we, we we all thought he was the one I mean initially we thought so see we have to work
1: through our issues We have to work through those issues. Otherwise, it's going to spill over in every aspect. Mm -hmm. And that's what happened there. Because as we were dating and when we got engaged, it was great. But then once we were engaged, those red flags started coming out. And I remember going to the pastors and saying, wait a minute now. I'm getting some red flags here and I'm just not feeling this is good for me right now. And I remember them saying, Dahlia, make no mistake. Make no mistake. Like the Lord told me that was my husband. This is your husband. And I'm like, "Mm, I don't know about that. So can we change the date then? Because I'm still not feeling this right now. Like, I'm ready to change the date at least, because I'm just not feeling this has got a lot of red flags and it's just like, mm, I'm not sure here. And she says, nope, you don't change the date. This is the man for you. And myself going back to my own issues, because I'm gonna I'm gonna own that because I have to own that. It was me. I could have said, no, God doesn't tell you who to marry in this day and age. He gives us free will. But there
0: I, I was like, okay. Because I think you submitted mm-hmm. your authority, your knowing mm-hmm. towards people who are in appearance mm-hmm. in positions of authority. We do this all the time with work, mm-hmm. with our bosses. We do this all the time with rent and our landlords <laughs> or you know and that's an area in which you're going to a pastor someone in a authority position especially mm-hmm. a godly position there's almost a different level of of reverence mm-hmm. there because you, feel you like, don't want to go against God's person but at the same time what you're saying is true mm-hmm. what you are saying is very important which is no one can tell you what is for you. Truth. Ever. Ever. Uh, ever. They can, maybe at that time was going off of faith. Mm-hmm. Like God, this is what you're telling me and I'm going to speak it. But that doesn't mean that that's yours to carry. Mm-hmm. And so when we, when we give that authority, that deferred like, basically, you're deferring the decision to someone mm-hmm, else, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. That's where, uh, yes, that happens. And I think that happens a lot of times in the church. And, and you know what? it A remember? lot. Because uh, God's name is now invoked. Right. And that's what I don't like. I hate that. Right. I hate when somebody else tells me what God is trying to tell me. I allowed myself to get to a point where I believed that I didn't
1: hear God's voice anymore. They were the voice of God.
0: Where they had special access. Basically, you Mm -hmm. devalued yourself again. And that was just another example of that whole scenario kind of break, like repeating. It's just a bad marriage. That's Mm -hmm. all it was. And it wasn't even the people. Andy wasn't bad. wasn't bad. It wasn't the right fit. And it wasn't the right time. And it wasn't the right thing that you needed. But God. But God is so good. Mm Mm-hmm. But God is so good that he's faithful to who he is.
1: That when I married, when I married him, it just completely turned around. So ugly. It got so ugly so quick, like reverse. Mm -hmm. And it got so ugly, like super quick. What changed was when he lost his job. Mm -hmm. That's what changed. So he lost his value. So he devalued me. Because whenever you devalue someone else, you feel better about yourself. So he lost his job. He didn't feel good about himself. He took a job in Missouri. Didn't even talk to me about mine. You were married. Okay. And then I'm like, okay, well, can I go over there and visit you on the weekends at least? And he said, no. I'm too busy working. Too busy doing this. And it's like you feel the cold shoulder right away. All of a sudden, it's like, hmm. And before, where he was making a, a, a substantial amount of money and I was making a small amount of money compared to what he was making, and he didn't care. Mind you, I had zero debt at this time. I had no debt. And he had huge debt, but he was making a lot of money. but And I was making a little money, but I had no debt. and. So he takes this job unbeknownst to me, and I'm living in this humongous house. And mind you, I've never worked two
0: jobs. Did I ever work two jobs? No, nope. no never. not from with us. Ever. Ever. Yeah, we never had you working two jobs. <laughs> go, baby, go. <laughs> right,
1: right. And we traveled all over, the, and we did so much things, and we had a great life. And I never worked two jobs. Here I marry somebody, and he's making this large amount of money, and I'm working two jobs like what the heck is this like excuse me wait a minute and I did that because when he lost his job I wanted to get insurance for us so now I'm getting up at four thirty in the morning so like four o'clock in the morning so I can be at work by five at caribou coffee and then I would go to my second job at the barber shop I mean there was times where I, don't, I had to pickle for dinner a pickle because I was so tired. Mm -hmm. And I'm never had to do that when I was a single mom. Yeah. And here I'm married to this other person that's making a substantial amount of money. I'm trying to keep up this big house. He's gone. And he's just being horrible. Yeah. And wouldn't even let me go see him. And then while I'm working, he would come remember when he took all the beds out of the house. All the beds. And I was so tired. I thought, Lord, I just want to sleep. Why do you take the beds out? To make me feel uncomfortable to move out. Wow. Yeah. Wow. He was that nasty. And I remember one of my friends, one of my customers actually, because my customers were so wonderful. Um, one of my customers, him and his wife brought over an inflatable bed and I slept on that until I got, I said, Lord, I just need a bed. And that weekend I ap- actually found a bed beautiful bed that was so much better than what we had before. And God always did that. Whatever he would take, he would take when I was at work and God would give me something at such a cheap price, so much better. And it was crazy. So here I'm going through this and I'm talking to my customer and this was incredible. This is how good God is. So here I'm going through all this and I'm just trying to hold on Did you want out at that point? Did you want to leave? No, because I was I was holding on to my faith. This was a time where I felt like I was locked in with God no matter what. It's just a Lord. This is no longer between me. And this is between me you and so I had found out at that time, because through phone bills and so forth. I found out that he was having an affair with this other person over there. And when I found out, he cut everything off. He cut this phone off. He cut his address. And I had no way of contacting this person I just, I just married for nine months. No contact whatsoever, zero. I could have died, and he had no clue. And he didn't even care. And it was like, Lord, this is no longer between him and I. It's between you and I. And I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Mm-hmm. I don't even get it. Because at first I was like, I'm so mad. I had to come to a place where it's like, Lord, nothing matters but you. I didn't even care anymore. At that point, it's like, I'm gonna leave this to you. He's yours. Because honestly, at that time, when we'd go to bed prior to him leaving, he'd put this big pillow between us, and it's like, you stay on your side, and I stay on my side. I'm like, oh my gosh, is this gonna be the rest of my life? Lord, is this gonna be the rest of my life in a loveless marriage like this? And then God gets you to a place where he's gone, and it's just like all that matters is you. I don't care, nothing else. And I have no clue what he's doing. I know he's out there, and I'm like, I don't even care anymore. I don't even care. I don't care that he's with somebody anymore. I don't even care. I don't want to know. I just know that you work things out for good. Someone believe that. And then I read about Abigail and David. And Abigail was married to a wealthy man. But he was a fool. And when I read that, I'm like, wait a minute. This sounds like me here. This man's a wealthy fool. And I thought, Lord, you either give me a king or make this man a king. Because see, there's nothing you can't do. So you either make a king or you give me a king because see you're you're even keel with all of us you'll do the same that you do for everybody you'll do for anybody so if you did that for all, you can do it for me so either make this man a king or give me a king and at that point I decided I had already left from ELM and I decided to go to a different church because I just didn't think that that was for them to tell me who I should be married to in other words, I started thinking for myself and believing for myself. I had to be separated. I had to get away from all the other voices. And and just enough already. I need to hear from you myself.
0: Do you feel like that's where your power came in? Yes. Oh my gosh. When you went through that, were you how did you feel were you scared were you free did you feel power first of
1: all i was exhausted because remember i'm working two jobs like i've never had to work before and i'm exhausted and then i felt like i was getting after I got through the anger, because we have to, it's like a grief, you know, it's like kind of going through grief Mm -hmm. when you realize this, like, wait a minute here, and this man could care less, I'm his bride, and he could care less if I live or die, and then he's taking all the beds out and trying to make me as uncomfortable as I can to be here, what the heck is this crap, and then it's like, are you kidding me, and then I hear from God working through me, it's like, okay, okay. So this is where I think I really started working through my stuff. Really, like, what the heck is really going on with me? Why would I even, like, what the heck? Why would I let someone else tell me who to marry? Yeah. What the hell? And they go back on the whole valuing thing, all these years where you had people saying you're not good enough, you're not good enough, or you're not valuable, or, or you know, when when I was married to <laughs> and <laughs> literally to my face that I find no comfort being married to you. Just horrible, and I'm being so mad, and and God's like stand down, because I want, you know, I wanted to knock him silly when he said that. Like how dare you, how dare you, and the Lord says stand down. If you defend yourself, I can't defend you. And I was so mad at that point because he was spewing all that ugly nastiness at me, and then he left, and I remember going to my closet. <laughs> Which was much bigger there. And just being so mad at God and saying, Lord, why would you do that to me? Why would you make me stand? He made me look, you make me feel like a punk. You made me punk out. Mm-hmm. I was so mad. And God's like, Do you trust me? So I, at that point, myself, I had to trust God on what He was doing. Because mind you, through that, He was actually working through some of the things I had been going through. A lot of that, when you have people who are abusive in any way, whether it's physically or um, emotionally or verbally, okay, they're projecting. Yeah. A lot of times they're projecting their crap. Yeah. But you know what? If I'm receiving it, if I'm owning his stuff, then I've got issues myself. And I got to work through those. Yes. And that's the whole point. He says, I'm trying to get this crap out of you. Because see,
0: you're better than all of this crap. I'm going to give you a king. And you recognize in that moment that there are areas that you also need to work on. And at that point, the best thing to do was to wait. Mm -hmm. Because you guys were also physically separated. Mm
1: -hmm. And
0: even though you didn't like... Him feeling like he had the upper hand because of how he was able to leave, Mm -hmm. you know, upset about that. But it's not because God wants God is saying stand down and not advocate for yourself or not not you know put yourself in a better position. He's saying there's something you need to learn here Mm -hmm. about yourself Mm -hmm. and why you're in this situation, and you can leave. But it's not going to help. Because what was I
1: doing? I was what? And before Jason, I was dating and going through what? Same person, different face. Yeah, Same person, different face. He says, you want something real? You want something new? Trust me. You said your pickers broke? Then let me pick them. Before I even get the one for you, I got to work this stuff out of you. Because see, you wouldn't even be able to receive what I have for you. Because you're too busy looking at the same thing. i got to break all that off of you. I had to have that real alone time with God to even know how to receive love. God says that no matter what we do, if we believe, it says he works all things out for those who love him. He works all things out for good. He works all things out for good. So you either make him a king, you turn him around, or you give me a king one or the other you do it lord so then what happened and then what happened so all of a sudden i get a phone call and 20 minutes later i'm served with divorce papers and i remember the attorney at that time was like you know you need to ask for something i'm like no i want nothing from this man i never want anything from this man other than to be my husband so i don't know if you're a christian or not but i believe god's gonna he's brought me through so much already i believe he's gonna bring me through this and she couldn't understand it. But she's like, can I have someone call you just again? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, sure, knock yourself out. But whatever. Because that knowing, that knowing is there. He's got me. It's like, I got your boo. I don't need anything from yeah, you. I got nothing. I want nothing. I came in here and I need nothing from you, right? So tell me why he wanted to give me half of his debt. Mm-mm.
0: It's like, no. I don't think so. And what did you tell? What did uh, you said? No, right? I said, "Excuse me." I said, "You're supposed to be like this man." What Um, did the attorney say after she found out you a weren't asking for anything from him, and then he wanted to pass you his debt?
1: She just took care of business. She didn't say nothing. (laughs) She She knew what to do. (laughs) It's like, uh, and I remember saying to him look you you pride yourself on being a, a man of whatever that's like you know what I've never had anything from you I had no zero debt zero I said the least you should do I said the least you should do is pay your own bills don't give them to me you knew that I had nothing to do and so he did he paid his own he he, he, he owned did. up on that and yeah. he did. and then so mind you I'm working at caribou coffee divorce is going through, getting up and smiling every day, going to work. I'm smiling because I'm going to spread that cheer because God is good. Mm -hmm. And um, every morning I have this whole group of people that worked out every morning and they come in and get coffee. And there's one person in particular who, you know, we felt really bad because I heard that his wife had cancer. And it's like, are you doing okay? Are you all right? You okay? And I remember just... You know, are you eating? (laughs) Because I know how I was at times. Like I told you, I had a pickle for dinner. It's like, are you eating? You know, and and it would come in. And she had passed already. And she passed. Then she passed. passed. He was a widow.
0: He was a widow. He was a widow. She passed, and then after. But she did have cancer. She had cancer, and And she she passed from cancer. Yes. And
1: then it's like I'll never forget how. One day when he came up and he said, "Look, my um, my friends had said that I should ask you out," and I remember thinking, mm, "I don't know," because I remember just praying to God and saying, "Look, Lord, my picker's broke. I'm just not even. I'm done. I'm done. I'm just done. And the next person, you're gonna have to do it." Cause my picker's broke. My picker is broke. I've been, I'm been picking the wrong ones. So I'm going to have to leave this to you. I'm done trying to pick anybody. I'm just done. And then when he invited me on, it was a ball. It was a doctor's ball. And I thought, you know, he's he's the safest person I could be around because there's just, you know, sure. I have not felt pretty. I had not just had fun. And he's not no one that I would ever really go out with because we have nothing in common. We're completely different people. So it's the safest thing ever. Sure. And so I agreed to go. And that night when we went, it was so funny because we're running through Millennium Park. I have this big gown on. And we're running through, and someone stops and says, Did you guys just get married? I think, like, oh, no, it's our first date. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, it was so comfortable. We just, that night, we just had fun. We didn't think about anything else. We just enjoyed each other's company. It was fun. And the next thing you know, you guys are married. A year later, a year to the first date, we're married. And it's that whole, still small voice, see, this is a diamond.
0: This is the rock. Is the That diamond. was the diamond in the mind stone. Mm-hmm. Of like, that one was
1: not yours. Yeah. This one is yours. Yeah. And to know that, and it's like his wife had passed from cancer. And that scripture that came back again, others have died so you can live, became so real. Mm-hmm. I didn't understand it. But... Our son Michael had had a dream, and he was just, you know, we were just talking about dreams. And he said he had this recurring dream that just, it would, he was actually crying when he shared the dream with me. It would,
0: How old was he when he shared this?
1: Maybe 10, um, mm-hmm. nine, 10, somewhere around there. And his lip was all quivering. He, he said he had this same dream. It, it was a recurring dream that he would have. And he said that he was at an airport with Jason and Ann and Maddie, and then he heard over the intercom that someone had to go. And Ann said, I'll go. And she left, and she was gone. And then Jason said, I'll be right back. I'll be right back. And he goes, and he just left me. Dad just left me. And I was here, and he just left me. And he was like, his lips quivering, he's ready to cry. He goes, and then he came back and he just gave me a taco. Exactly. Literally. Yes, he did. Literally, a Mexican family. And I just said, I said, oh, honey. I said, what's mommy now? Latina, yeah. Uh, I said, what's a taco? Yeah, Mexican, yeah. I said, what does it do? It feeds you. It feeds you, it nourishes you. So that's see, so funny. See, honey, it's not a bad dream. Harry he thought it was a bad dream all the time that yeah. he had, but really it's like, God, just down here. I'm gonna give you something good. I'm gonna give you a taco.
0: Yeah. And in no way <laughs> replacing Anne. In no, no way in no way. Um Because in this dream, she 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 did it. She she, she, said, oh, she volunteered. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do it.
1: See, others have died. So you, if if that had not happened, we wouldn't
0: have the life that we have right now. Yeah. And it wouldn't be as rich as it is right now. Rich in love and rich in care and family and, and health. And then going back again to the other scripture where, look, see your children from the north,
1: the south, the east, and the west, carrying your sons and your daughters. And I'm like, what? What is that? What? I couldn't understand that either. And then I look at. Our family now—how yeah. diverse they
0: are! Yeah, where Maddie's from, oh, where Michael God, was from. born. Yeah, see, John's
1: from the Bahamas, and Jay yeah. from Africa. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've got all these sons and daughters, and it's so beautiful and so diverse. Yeah, and there's such
0: love, mm-hmm. like love, love. And Jason, I mean, shortly after you guys got married, we're you know visiting you guys, and he is just beaming. He's like, man, I lucked out. I really lucked out. Mm-hmm. And to him, you are the most prized treasure mm-hmm. of his life. And I just remember in that point, really remembering God's grace there. Like, mm-hmm. wow, God, you really, mm, you did yourself here. Like, Okay. Mm-hmm. My doubt was a, uh, you know, a little high, but you really did do this. That, and that's
1: another promise. See, when you take God's promises, and I remember I would pray this all the time. It's like, Lord, you know me, and you know I have a good imagination. You said exceedingly, abundantly, above all we can ask, think, or even imagine. It. You know i got a really good imagination. you had going to top that. And he did. And he did. <laughs> okay. and he did. When I first met Jason... And we first got married, I was so used to men jack me up and take my money and mess me up. And like with all that money trying to trying to give me his debt and stuff like that, that I'm like, you have your account, I have my account. Jason's a doctor, I'm a barber. Hello, who's making more money, right? And I'm like, You have your account? I have my account. And he had more and I had a love it. And he'd say, Honey, what are you doing? Don't you know that everything that's mine is yours? So he couldn't understand me, and I couldn't understand him because I was still working through that mentality, working through it. I had to have someone that really loved, that really withheld no good thing from me because I didn't know what that was like either. I didn't know. I had no reference. So all I knew was this little bit is mine, and that's all I have. It took me a whole year a whole year for me to get it
0: that he really meant it when he said all that's mine is yours what I love about Jason is that he looks at it in the exact same way but with family
1: it's like oh my gosh look what she's bringing to the table yes oh my gosh oh my God. I got
0: all these grandkids I have oh! I'm the richest I, yeah. Man ever yeah I have more family I have more people but to him, this is what you bring. This is also something that you add to his life is a richness a goodness, um, a faithfulness, a loyalty, uh, faith in itself. That's what I love about your guys' relationship and, is And it's drawn him out. He saw he's a person that he's never thought he
1: would ever be. Yeah, oh my gosh, the neighbors are like, what? You know, like he never thought he'd love motorcycles like he does. Yeah, he's a motorcycle lover. Oh my gosh, I know, more than me now. God had to take me to a place where one day I hear that still small voice again and saying, Dahlia, Jason is Founding Father, page Meadow Group, and he's a site leader. He's this, he's given all these credentials of Jason, right? And he's just so respected and loved, right? I said, yes, Lord. He says, and you're his equal spoo me away. He says, you're his equal. Like, don't you dare think of yourself any less. Wow. It's like, thank you for reminding me who I am. Who are you? That smart, tough, rebel, badass woman who may not have the degrees, but has all the life lessons and all the
0: love. Thank you for listening to Tuesdays with Andrea. There are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, and I appreciate you making the time to listen to mine. If you like this show and want to know more, check out Tuesdayswithandrea.com or please leave a review on iTunes or drop a line in the YouTube comment section. Until next time, please stay kind in your mind, nice on the web, and stay hella hopeful in your heart.